guys doing? Welcome back to the WYL Take Ownership Podcast, where we're all about taking ownership of your mental, your economics, and your community. It's a, it's a blessing to be with you all today. Obviously, uh, there's been continued to be a lot of uh, craziness in the world, but I think this this past week has, has hopefully started to turn the corner towards more hope. Um, a lot of cosmetic things, you know, NASCAR removing the Confederate flag, um, you know, the NFL making a statement. Cosmetic statues coming down, but um, you know more needs to happen in terms of laws and policy. And really happy to stand here today with Who's Your Landlord, WIL Take Ownership Podcast, and General Assembly by our sides to teach and inform. Uh, it's all about empowering and informing over here. So, Amanda, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you for showing up today and making sure this goes off without a hitch. Uh, it's funny seeing you in stress state because I, I usually see you with the big smile. So I, I understand, but you got it. We're good. We're all set. Franz, you're out there as well in the ethos, in the space, uh, our podcast producer, so shouting you out. And then, of course, last but not least, Sona Verma. Uh, thank you for joining us, CEO and founder of AMREP Media, personal friend of mine um, and business owner, business extraordinaire. Welcome to the show. How are you feeling? Thank you so much for having me. I'm feeling good. <laughs> the weather's nice. I'm happy to be on here, so that's good. I finally made it. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Well, welcome, welcoming uh, Sona by way of Toronto, Canada. So yeah. I, I got to give you the shout out for bringing the international guests because they don't, they don't, they haven't come for me yet. So this is love. This is all love. Um, welcome. Today's show is all about building a remote team. I will share my screen so you guys can all be in the know. Awesome. You guys seeing what I'm seeing mm -hmm. in the deck? Cool. Uh, first thing I want to do is introduce myself to, to new folks. Uh, last week we sold out, so thank you all for helping us fill out the space once again today. Um, my name is Ofo Izugu. I'm CEO and founder of Who's Your Landlord, WYL.co, um, where we're all about empowering and informing the rental community through landlord reviews, housing literacy content for residents, and also through software that we've created for developers and real estate uh, property managers to better engage their residents. Um, you know, a little bit of background about myself. Um, grew up primarily in Maryland. I've spent time in Buffalo, New York, in Patterson, New Jersey, where I was born, Clifton, New Jersey, Philadelphia for school, been all around the Northeast. Uh, happy to have called it home during my lifetime. Um, in that short period of time, I've been able to, to really get, uh, I guess, myself going, acting and modeling since I was in college, done stuff uh, with Nike, Facebook, ESPN, uh, Starbucks, some cool commercial stuff, and then also Fashion Week, seven times over with uh, New York Fashion Week, and I've done the Today Show a bunch of times as well. Um, let me actually get that right. Five times New York Fashion Week, seven times Today Show. Got to Hey. You gotta say, say what's happening. Um, and also I've been an entrepreneur for at least the last like seven years or so, if not a little bit more. Um, this is my second venture. My first business was called Untapped, which was all about building uh, you know, different brands and, and businesses, uh, a lot of brand development work. Um, and then found my way doing Who's Your Landlord by way of having this idea during my senior year at Temple University. Um, super big on the community, super big on giving back, super big on helping out others, and super big on you know the bottom line, making sure you're making this money. So happy to have y'all and I'm going to do a quick little blur about Sona and then I'll pass it off to you Sona to, to really get people to reel about who you are. Um, so I've, I've gotten the privilege not only of knowing Sona as a friend for the last several years now um, but also as a business partner too. So you know I've, I've, we've worked together in remote capacities that's why I felt like she was the perfect person to speak to this. Um, a lot of her team is remote as well. 
Um, and so tonight, I'm hopeful that we can give you all the tips, tricks, tools, all the above in making this happen for your own businesses. Someone is also an award-winning entrepreneur, um, running things out in Toronto. Um, and I will pass it off to you to give a little bit more insight about yourself. Well, I feel boosted, to say the least. <laughs> Thanks, Ofo. Um, and likewise, I've had the pleasure of working with Ofo, but of course, most importantly, such a great person, good friend of mine, and you know, we have a good time together. We're trying to roll out some exciting things uh, at Who's Your Landlord as well. So a little bit about myself. I started uh, Amrev Media, which is an ad tech agency. But we're hitting five years now officially, but I started consulting on the side while I was still doing corporate. I've uh, been in the GTA for the last 10 years. For people who don't know what the GTA is, which I'm assuming most of you don't, it's the greater Toronto area. Um, anybody who's a Drake fan will know that. Um, so yeah, I've been here uh, doing consulting, marketing, strategy, and then on the technical side, we've been developing cool technologies, uh, SaaS softwares, apps, um, websites, all that fun stuff. So yeah, it's it's been quite the ride and really excited to talk with all of you today and hope to give you some cool, fun tips as to how you can start your business. Awesome, awesome. Uh, we get questions, you know, throughout the, the show. It's a show, it's a session, it's all the above. Mm -hmm. So make sure to drop those uh, questions in the chat. Amina has been helping us out from last episode to this one in terms of making sure we're, we're addressing all those questions as well from the audience and guests. Um, so we'll keep it rocking and, and we'll, we'll hopefully we'll answer your questions throughout. Um, and anything we don't get to, we'll kind of rapid fire it at the end as we did last time to close out. Uh, so first one I want to ask you, you know, what are the benefits of, of working with a remote team? And I start that first from the standpoint of um, with everything happening around the world right now with COVID-19, it's, it's made a lot of people reimagine how they're thinking about building their businesses. Um, the, the, the whole premise of this series is people building their businesses from home. And so they're going to run, you know, range the gamut, right? From super beginner, maybe aspiring entrepreneur to like, I've done this before, maybe I'm on my second venture, maybe you're on your first and trying to figure it all out, you know, in real time. Um, you know, I know for my team, we've been always a hybrid model, partially in person, partially remote. Um, and now we've been all completely remote, you know, for, for the last at least three months. So I'd love to learn from you, you know, what is, what has that been like for you building a remote team? How has it been navigating COVID? Um, let's just start there. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, when I first started the business, I was pretty clear that I wanted to have everybody remote for the simple reason that I don't need everybody on every project. I don't need every face, everybody on, um, every conversation that we have with our clients. So I was pretty clear on that. And then somewhere along the way, I kind of got derailed. I'm like, okay, maybe I do need to set up this big environment where, you know, everybody has this place to come into. They do the nine to five and I saw productivity change immensely. So we, I decided to go back to the model of, you know what, work in your own time, just get things done on the days that they're due. And that's about it. I really don't like micromanaging. And the main reason for that being, it's exhausting for both parties and unnecessary in most, most cases. Um, part of building a remote team is you have to have 100% a lot of confidence in the people that you put on your team because you don't get to see every little thing that they're doing. And, you know, it's kind of like trusting them. You have to have absolute blind trust. Um, the other thing is the overhead stay low. It keeps the company running lean and mean, you know, um, instead of me putting out, 
at least seven to ten thousand dollars a month and having a team in-house that everybody comes into and really there's no need for it um i found that my overheads were reduced significantly when i went back to the work remote life um and i did that in 2017 to go back to that and the COVID situation hasn't really impacted me in that sense uh, mm-hmm. if i'm quite honest i think What's interesting is a lot of people are like, oh, wow, I wish I did that. I wish I did that. So the transition for us was very seamless in the sense that instead of just having, you know, the weekly in-person meetings, now we were just doing them more remotely if possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also found it interesting because I remember last year I pitched to uh, a, a big company and they were really turned off by our work culture. They really just wanted somebody that had this agency that was, they could drop by and it was everybody in house and everybody was there and they could see the bodies. And that speaks more to them than it does to to me, of course. But I'm laughing now because, uh, I mean, they're working remotely too. So it's kind of like, told you so, you know. Uh, (laughs) No, but definitely I think that it's been a learning curve for a lot of other companies in adjusting to uh, what that lifestyle is. And like I said, I can't reiterate enough how much trust you need to have in people uh, when you put them on your team. And especially if they're working remote, because the culture is different. They're not going to put in that straight eight hours, but they'll end up putting in 16 hours in the same day spread out, you know? Yeah. And we're going to get into a lot of the intricacies of it. I I think, I think the idea here people have is, you know, part of you wants, not you particularly, but people like to work remote maybe because they don't like being around people. That's not always true. Can be true sometimes. (laughs) Not always true. Um, So the idea here is drawbacks of building a remote team. You touched on them a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, but I would love for you to sure talk about, talk a little bit about um, what are the drawbacks that you've seen? I think the drawbacks are you can't just walk up to somebody and be like, hey, what's the update on this? You have to really have open communication where you have to wait for them to get back to you. And the accessibility is a little bit different. I mean, I know that most people try to be online and available when they can, but it's it's definitely a different type of balance that you need to have in place because um, you, you got to understand that most people working remotely or working from home potentially they have kids at home, especially right now, like, you know, they're trying to balance their children, their, their personal lives, their professional lives. And the major drawback I would say is you have to wait for communication on their time as opposed to your time in terms of walking over and be like, what's the update or can you do this for me right now? Or, you know, that kind of immediate culture of get it done right now uh, doesn't really exist in uh, in remote. However, if you have a very organized team and you have that open communication and they're comfortable with you just ringing them up and being like, can you do me a solid? I need this, or I need a update on this. I would say 99% of times it'll get done. And I think when you're not invading that space, it's actually a little bit better. Um, cause there's a desire as opposed to the force of, ugh, I'm counting down 45 more minutes till five o'clock and finally I'll get it done. You know what I mean? So right. Uh, I, I, it ended up being more of a pro, I guess, but definitely the communication aspect is a, is a challenge. So, yeah. So, and you talk a, a lot about, you know, just like 
people's people's own home settings right and, yeah. and right now i've been you know i've said and i'm not the only person but we're not really working from home right now we're working at home so yeah. for, for folks who have kids who have you know a spouse a partner whatever the case is um you know there before maybe they were lucky if they were a remote worker and got like a strong eight hours of un you know unabated work now you're kind of lucky if you get four you know mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. and so knowing that to be the case you know how do you go about respecting people's boundaries too, mm-hmm. right? So I've seen a lot of companies right now, in the beginning of COVID, they would have their employees on, on Zoom all day long just mm-hmm. to ensure they were working. But it was actually counterproductive because it's like weird having Big Brother just watching you the whole time. So like f- from your vantage point, how do you, you know, respect people's privacy, their own, you know, their own boundaries, but still make sure they're, they're providing work for the, for the team to grow? I think it comes down to spacing out what you need done. Um, you can't, you really can't expect urgent responses. And that's something that I am very uh, stern about because that's what I expect. I expect certain boundaries. I don't, I, I will never reach out to somebody at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night because I know that I would be irritated if someone did that to me. So I think it's just really putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. And then um, of course there's working hours and then there's, hours that's like, hey, can you do this today? If you can't, no problem. Let's touch base on it tomorrow. Uh, What I do in the morning is I have a call every single day at nine o'clock with my local team and we kind of go over everything that needs to be done that day. And that would be the requirement of that day. And they know what they need to fulfill at that point. And it's, mm-hmm. and then, you know, it, it's, it's fair for me then around five, six to be like, Hey, you know, just touching base, how'd it go? If you have any questions, et cetera. And that's fair. But as you know, I also have an offshore team. Mm-hmm. So I try to, you know, I try to work around both and I'll do the same thing. Like their nine o'clock, whatever that ends up being, or their 10 o'clock. Um, I will try to connect at that time with them as well and be like, okay, this is what needs to be done. And then by the time I wake up in the morning, my nine o'clock, you know, we do the whole, it's, it's just review and you have to make sure that you're able to maintain some sort of timeline deadline, but also boundary. Um, I, I find personally that people are trying now, they've gotten to this point where they're like, I just want to escape like my kids <laughs> or, <laughs> or just being inside. So they're kind of looking forward to being more accessible and they want to do more work. Um, Kind of like after dinner, okay, I'm bored. What am I going to do? I'll just do some more work. So it's interesting. I've seen productivity actually go up leaps um, and less drama. I think there's less, uh, less time to waste on, you know, this is going on or that's going on. Of course, we've got global drama to discuss instead, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, no, certainly. Um, you know, so what's funny is you say that, you know, as, you know, respecting people's time in terms of late nights and stuff, there is a way to appropriately do it. I think, yeah. you know, you, yeah, you obviously work through, you're like a night owl. So in the event, I'll put this out for everybody, in the events that someone is needing my attention at like 11 p.m., I get like the WhatsApp, yo, is it cool? Just like a heads up, I'm sending an email. If you can get to it, cool. If you can't, tomorrow's fine too. So there's a, there's a coolful way to go about doing it. Um, you know, and I think that as a result, when you have a team both, you know, locally to you and then also international, playing the time zone thing is a very, very interesting thing. So funny enough, the next, um, my next slide here is actually about time management. So I'm going to pop it up real fast uh, just so everybody can see it. Awesome. So the, the idea here is I really want to touch on time management, how we go about doing it. Um, you know, 
when I think about time management for myself, like COVID, to be honest, has has created a space where I feel like I'm working even harder than I was before. And I was already, I think, working pretty hard. So um, what's been so interesting is that, you know, morning, day and night all blend together. Um, mm-hmm. I find myself being reminded at like 3 p.m. Oh, like I haven't eaten yet. Right. Um, Cause you wake up and you kind of get to it. Um, for me, I found like working out in between and stuff is, is helpful. Um, not saying I've done it consistently as I should have, I should be doing, but I know when, it's, when I've done it, it's been a release for me. Um, but when it comes to time management, you know, in this capacity, I know for our team, we, we use Slack, we use, I mean, that's for more internal communications. And a lot of folks, you're going to hear some of the tools we've used before. Folks are just like a heads up on that. Um, but we use Slack for communication. We use um, obviously email for external communication. We use money.com um, for project management, you know, and on and on and on. And all those things are helpful with time, but all also too can take up time as well, mm-hmm. um, depending on if you're using it the right way. So from your vantage point, how do you look at time management um, for yourself and for your team? So I think for me personally, like I, I set aside time that's just me time. Like I will not touch my phone. I will not let anybody invade that space because I need that for me. And I know that I can't propel the way that I need to through my day if I don't do that. Like. Um, I meditate every single morning. Most people know this about me, um, 45 minutes to an hour because I, I got to get my mind right and focused and clear and just ground myself and allow the day to maneuver the way that it's supposed to without reacting to it. I think uh, time is one of those things that if you're on the right journey, it shouldn't, uh, it shouldn't hold you back. And I think it's, it's a very interesting relationship that you have as human beings that we have with time where we were like always trying to get things done without really thinking about, okay, if I'm doing the right thing, like it's, it might take an extra day, extra two days, whatever it is, but it's the right thing. So that's how I usually approach, um, my day. And then I schedule everything in like 55 minute increments. So I actually use this app called miracle timer. Um, and it just, it has 55 minute increments and then it takes like you, you give yourself a five minute break. So typically in that five minute break, I will just kind of go into a state of observation, try to just connect with myself or my surroundings or um, whatever's going on, put my phone away. Just So I, wor- I work in 55 minute increments. And I think with the back to back to back to back Zoom calls these days that everybody's on, I know it's like, it can be very tiring and you just got to give yourself even two minutes to just be like, okay, let me breathe. Let me, let me drink some water. Let me take care of my body. Let me connect with myself for a minute and then go into it. It's kind of like a fresh canvas, every conversation that you have, and it allows you to be a little bit more focused. Um, as far as managing my team's time um, and really just collaborating with them, I think having set set timing is very, very important. To my point earlier, the, the 9 a.m.s on both ends of the world is very important to both sides and both both operations to run smoothly. Um, and that gives me peace of mind. Then I can go to bed and be like, okay, you know what? I took care of this and I, and they know what they need to do. I know what I need to do. And mm-hmm. uh, really just allotting very specific things. It's, it's almost like compartmentalizing certain aspects of your business really. Sure. And then, you know, I have days that I dedicate to, okay, I just got to do billing this day, or I got to um, take care of sales this day. I got to do consultations this day. So you have to be an extremely routine and organized person, I feel, as a business owner. 
uh, to not go crazy, quite frankly, mm -hmm. because you are pulled in a hundred different directions and you have to know how to draw that boundary for yourself and what that looks like for yourself. Um, and it's okay to be busy. It's okay to say, Hey, I can do this, but I need an hour or can I get to this tomorrow? And most importantly, take care of your time first and then everything else falls into place. Because if you're unorganized and you don't know how to manage your time, that trickles down into every aspect of your business, whether it's the clients, whether it's your staff, whether it's your coworkers, whoever, it will trickle down. So you had said, you mentioned the idea of being pulled in a hundred different directions, right? So yeah. I want you, I want you to take a bunch of steps back to like early Sona in business yeah. when, when you're not being pulled in any direction, any direction. No one even knows you exist. Yeah. yeah. How, how did you manage your time? Then? Like, <laughs> how did you, you know what I mean? Carve it yeah, out. Yeah. Today you talk about, you'll, you'll spend of time course. doing billing and whatever. And the thing is, what's funny for me is that I feel like that's how I used to look at time all the time in the beginning, especially like it'd be like, okay, today I just reach out to press. Okay. Tomorrow I just reach out to whatever the next thing is. Right. And now it's almost like to your, to your point, you have to like squeeze in. I got to get billing done today. <laughs> like I'm yeah, missing yeah. everything else. So, yeah. so rewind us back in time. Yeah. No one's pulling in any direction. How did you f determine what to do? 2015 when I had too much time. Sure, exactly, exactly. I mean, it was a crazy time. I remember uh, when I first started, I felt like uh, quarantine is literally how I felt because I was like, I have not, like, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know where to go. I would just wake up, go to the gym, and I was like, what do I do today? It's really, I think for me, it was like every single day I needed to make sure that I've accomplished something in terms of my business plan and taking the next step forward. And sometimes taking the next step forward is as simple as education. I am an avid learner. I'm constantly taking courses. I'm constantly in enhancing my skill set. And whatever I don't know, I want to learn from people. So mentors, all of that is very, very, very important. And I would say that's how I was really spending my time every single day. Like I would call people up. I would reach out to people on LinkedIn and be like, hey, like I just started a business. It's similar to yours. Like, would you mentor me? Most of the times they were like, eh, no, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm too busy. Like, are you going to pay me? And I was like, no, but you know, I got some jokes. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's, it's really dedicating yourself to your skill set and what it is that you want to push out. And I will say this, enjoy that confusion, enjoy that period, enjoy that scatteredness, because at the end of all of it, you do come to terms with some sort of answer and clarity. I think um, in the beginning for me, I was like, okay, I, well, I can do this great. And I can also do this. And I'm a, I'm a great writer and I can, I can uh, sell this. And, you know, I've got the team to do this. Da, 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 da. There were so many different things happening. So I was like, how do I channel in on what can I really do? And what kind of client do I want to attract? Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time, I would say half my day would go into the foundational work. And the foundational work, I promise you, a year, two years, three years later, is more important than any outreach that you can do, any cold calling that you can do. Because once you're so clear on what you want, that's what you're going to get. And I spent, um, I took a lot of courses on Udemy. I took a lot of courses on like online universities. I would read just crazy Um try to see, you know, what that next step looks like. And I can't reiterate enough how satisfying it is to go to bed being like, I did everything in my power mm -hmm. to take my business to the next level. 
by even one percentile today. Yeah, yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I, when, I, when I think about that piece as well, um, I, I think it's so important for people to, like, to the point of foundational pieces, yeah. like in the beginning is when you can get, you know, try to figure out counsel. So like who, who's going to be your lawyer. Um, and I, I think in the beginning, folks think that can be very expensive and it can be. So I'm not discounting that. But what I'll say is there's other ways to get a, a great lawyer um, or accounting firm to work with you and, and you have more tools. And I think this came up last time at Fatima as well. You have more tools in your disposal than just money that you can pay. You, you have equity that you can provide. You have um, vesting schedules that you can put them on. And vesting just means over time they're accruing the equity. Um, but the reason why I point that out is because they are the foundational pillars of your business as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm not, I don't even mean getting sued. I just mean understanding and being able to figure out legal documents, um, understanding your bylaws as a company understanding you know your operating agreement these are things that are you know I I think a lot of times are are not even discussed in school I know for me you know I studied entrepreneurship and a lot of the stuff was not mentioned Um, so you know realizing what foundational pillars of your business need to exist for your business to really exist are super important Um, so I would highlight that too in terms of early time management yeah and something that I want to add to that actually um, I remember that it was very important for me to do and I always talk about this like strategic partnerships because I felt like who's not offering what I can offer and how can they help bring me business was the way to go and I'm so glad I did that because all these years later, those are still the same people that I work very, very closely with. And just bouncing business off each other, it's, it's a network. Like, I never want people to think of, think of others as a competition. It's about how can you strategize to offer things that the other do- doesn't have. So um, I think that's something important to keep in mind but that has nothing to do with time, so. <laughs> no, it, it does actually, it does, because, you know, <laughs> but a good point though is that your network chops down the amount of time sometimes it takes to accomplish certain things. Sure. Sure. So if it's raising capital and you have a network of friends that are in finance that have a bunch of angel investor friends, that can cut down time. Um, or, you know, if you're, you're looking for a technologist and you don't know anything about technology, mm-hmm. you, I say, hey, Sona, what's up, right? Exactly. Like, you know, networks exactly. really, really do help. Um, exactly. I think that that is, I think people should really think about that too, because I know, obviously, I'll say historically, and I mean literally three months ago, we would go to events in public and yeah. that's where you would get people's business cards or exchange, you know, contact on LinkedIn. LinkedIn has that really cool widget where you can, uh, you know, use the QR code and, and quickly exchange information. Um, just so folks know, it's right by the search bar. So take a look for that. <laughs> but uh, I bring these things up because, you know, now you have to work a lot harder. Um, we're sitting in front of computers. Um, there, there's, a la- I think, uh, I forgot which investor saw posted the other day, but there's now a lack of serendipity, if you will. And it's more predicated on will, like willpower, where you go out there and reach out, where you go out there and get someone's attention that, you know, you probably didn't have before. Um, for, for team communication, so like within your, your squad, you know, how do you think about that piece? Uh, you know, and I, I think we're going to touch on a lot of similar things throughout because I think the concept of remote work is, is pretty mm-hmm. straightforward. You're remote and you're working. But at the end of the day, I think we can unpack each of these things a little bit more. So for you, how do you encourage con- communication across your team so that mm-hmm. everything doesn't have to run through you, which would probably drive you crazy, um, and every, everything can kind of, maybe it still runs through you. Look, we're all learning. We're all growing. You got to get the real. So what's up? I, I mean, as much as I'd like to say it doesn't all run through me, it, it, it does because uh, 
I'm a control freak. It has to run through me because I, I can't let it not, you know, um, for as long as I, I can at, at least. And, and I mean, I've got people on my team that do sales and they manage their accounts, but at some point I definitely need to see what's going on. Um, and how I personally do that is I'm always on the initial outreach conversation. So I know what the potential of that client is, what they're looking to get done. And then, you know, every, every morning when I connect with my team, it's kind of like, what's going on with this person? What's going on with this? And you also have to understand that like, other people's communication style is just as important as yours. I think um, a lot of times as business owners, people assume that how I like to communicate is the right way. And that's not, that's not always the case. Everybody communicates very, very differently. I have people on my team that only excel on phone calls. Like they just cannot text. They will never update anything on Monday or Asana or whatever it is. They just can't because that's not how they communicate. They don't express themselves like that. And everyone's socialized in a very different way. So I can't force that. It's just at the end of the day, you have to think, how can I get the result that I need and do the compromise in my own communication skills or expansion is a better word uh, rather than compromise because you definitely need to learn a whole bunch of different types of communication styles to connect with your team. And of course your client, whoever your end user is, whoever your consumer is, you got to know how to communicate with them as well to match their style. Um, I have a couple of developers on my team that will only email. Like it doesn't matter what I do. If I call them, no, there's no way I'm getting an answer. Uh, one of them won't even give me his number. Like it's just, <laughs> no, literally he's like, no, like you have my email. I don't get it. And he'll, he'll reply, but it's only email with him. So you got to, find your footing as to what works the best, I think, for the other person and try to mirror that best that you can. Um, and I think I'm just who I am as a person. I try to do everything very collectively as opposed to this is how it's got to be done. And like, otherwise you can't fulfill this because someone may not have the same communication skills as you. However, they have a skill set that's by far leaps and beyonds better than any other person that you may have interviewed or uh, my own skill set, right? So it's meeting people in the middle that you, that we have to do. And um, that's extremely important. It's one of the greatest skills that I have picked up over the years because it helps me communicate, not just with my team, but also in my personal life with my friends, my family, my clients, whoever it is, um, just understanding that has been such a great skill set to gain. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, that, the idea of the word like uh, empower came to mind too as you were speaking. Like, um, you know, I, I think it's, it, yeah, I think for, for a CEO, you're always going to be naturally a little bit more predisposed to being a control freak. That's just, that's just natural. Uh, yes. Um, and then it's like over time, we're working on how do you empower your team more and more to like not necessarily need to go through you, but to like be able to accomplish things without. And I, I look, I, I, I really appreciate personally when me, meetings can happen and I don't have to speak that much. I'm like, oh, this is, this is good. Like, I, I appreciate that. Um, and like you just watch very smart people have a conversation have a dialogue maybe disagree but figure it out like there's like i think next to like your product being said being called out for being good by a consumer by a user yeah. 
Um, that's probably the next most rewarding thing. And then thirdly is maybe the investment, right? So like, um, for me, I, I'm, you know, that's been something that I think I've knocked my head against the wall a bit too to figure out over the years is how do you empower folks to uh, engage across the network and uh, on the word of power, empower yourself with more of this information by hopping on to uh, WL Take Ownership Podcast. Just putting a little plug out there. We're available anywhere podcasts are, are being streamed. So make sure you do that. But to get back to the conversation, um, yeah, empowering your team. And, and I think, you know, um, uh, those communication tools, I think, do help with that. Um, someone asked earlier about some of the things I'd mentioned, again, to reiterate, uh, Slack for internal communications, uh, Monday for project management, um, Google Drive for, like, for document storage. Um, but all that stuff is great because what it allows, like, imagine Google Drive, for example, if people can go into the Google Drive and get the photos they need, get the documents they need, get the information they need, that's one less email to you or that's one less Slack to you. So, um, to people at home, you know, I think one thing you can be thinking about is how can I, you know, and this is the, not to be dark, but if you're not there as founder, how does this business still proceed? And it, realize in the early years, the answer usually is it's not going to proceed. That, and that's, that's the facts. Um, that's what you have key man insurance for. So God forbid that happened, there's a payout so to help you guys out. But, you know, saying that and being real, you know, you got to be thinking about when you're, when you're away on vacation, when you're away because of health reasons, when you're away because of family reasons, how can your team still produce Hot, you know, very efficiently and effectively, um, because we we all want to get to a point where, you know, and, and this is not to minimize at all, but think of yourself like running a deli, right? And the idea is you're you're behind the counter, you're chopping up meat all day long. You, directly, you're thinking of that, and you're realizing you work within your business. So if you're not there chopping the meat, it doesn't get get chopped. You want to be working on your business over time. So in the beginning, you're working in it and on it, meaning, hey, I want this store to do really well. I want this deli to have the best selects from all over the world, whatever the case is. And then over time, you're like, but I want to open up more delis across New York City. I want to open up a bunch of bodegas. So then you go from working in your business to working on your business and how can you expand. Then you're thinking about how to get the appropriate loans, the appropriate funding, having the appropriate business plan to, to, to really say, okay, how much cash can I take out of this business to open the next one? And that's really what, what's happening when you see like franchises like Starbucks and whatnot grow. It's one place first and then you're, pull, you're, you're working in the business, but then you're working on the business to grow it and expand it rapidly. Um, so yeah, so what I'm going to do, I'll pop it back onto this screen. Um, I appreciate you all kind of working with my technical jump lumpiness here. Cause this is the first time I'm doing it this way, but, uh, let's see, hold on, share my screen. Boom. All right. So, um, the next topic is language barriers and time zones. As mentioned, Sona, you've hit on this, you know, you've talked about this. Did I just jump? I think I skipped some. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, I'm right. Okay. Language barriers and time zones. Um, you have a team that, as, as I said, is in Toronto, um, is also in India, um, and you might have a team elsewhere, too, that I don't even know about. So <laughs> regarding that, you know, and I'll start this off by saying, you know, I have a board member um, and a close friend of mine at WYL who has worked with remote teams through all his businesses. Um, he's had business partners in China, in London, um, all over, and, you know, there'd be times where I'd I would talk to him maybe the day after and he was like, yeah, I've been up all night. was talking to the team in China. I'm like, Jesus, like you can't find nobody here. <laughs> like, it's just like, like, but I, you know, so first what, what, well, what are the benefits first, I guess, of working with people across different time zones? And that can be an industry agnostic question. You might say, yo, well, if you're in real estate and it's international, you got to have international business partners. So mm -hmm. first is that, what, what are the benefits of having an international team? Um, and then second too, 
how do you, yeah, how do you manage the time zone difference? How, and, that, and that could be true even for like continental folks in Canada, you know, mm-hmm. so, someone on the far west side of Canada, you know, may, may have, a, or in Vancouver, is going to have a different experience, you know, or daytime than you would have. So how do you, how do you approach that? Um, a couple of different things. I mean, as far as time zones go, uh, honestly, it's just meeting in the middle. Like most people, if they're passionate enough and they want your business enough and they care about the project enough, they will meet you somewhere in the middle. So it's not a ridiculous time for me to call or for them to call. And sometimes the scenario comes up and you know this, sometimes the scenario comes up where I have to stay up later to adjust to them and vice versa. And that happens. And that's part of the game. But I think Bottom line in vetting out an offshore team is you got to know how bad they want it. And if they want it bad enough and they want to help you out bad enough, they will make sure that they're able to work around that just like I do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think um, that's a very, very key factor. And as far as time adjustment goes, if someone's not willing to adjust to your time uh, and you're not willing to adjust to theirs, don't even do it. I'm all about like energy. I'm very, very uh, focused on the type of people that I want to work with because things can either go smooth or go very difficult based on who you're working with, who your team is, who your client is even. Uh, Don't just say yes to everybody thinking that they're going to execute the way that you want them to because there are a lot of yes men. Most people, especially in technology, especially offshore, um, will say, yes, of course I can do this. Yes, of course I can do this. And then it really comes down to vetting the right team and seeing uh, examples of their work, seeing how they function, seeing how dedicated they are to execute the things that you need done. I would say that's a very key component of making that communication work globally. Um, The other thing that I I would say um, is pricing is very different all over the world and you have to find what pricing works for your client because If you're really truly dedicated to executing something, you will do the groundwork of figuring out who can execute the right project and how much they will charge and how reasonable it is and how to make it work for your client or for yourself. A a lot of people starting businesses here might be uh, looking to just get that price point just for themselves really. So just executing a plan in your own mind, like, okay, this person I know can do this, this person I know can do this. And how do we all meet in the middle with terms of budgets, in terms of timelines, in terms of the communication aspect. Um, The thing that I love about working with people in different parts of the world is the perception. Sure, I was gonna ask about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you you get feedback that you wouldn't get in your bubble. Like, um, I'm used to the Western culture, right? My, My flow is of this life and what we're used to and the type of music that we like and the type of foods that we eat and the culture musically and whatever's going on in our world is what we're used to. And I think having those conversations with people all over the world, it really helps expand not just your creativity, but your mind. Um, I envision, I envision you're you're bringing Drake to the world because you talk about Drake all the time. So I imagine that's what you mean by culture music all these things is that is that would that be I'm accurate like oh my god you just threw me off why do we have to, <laughs> why do we have to talk about drake <laughs> um, no i did not mean drake i meant like i guess it's part of toronto culture but western culture in general is very different like 
it's little things like the way that we eat. We a lot of us eat alone. We eat in our rooms. We eat in front of the TV. I'll tell you this right now. Most of the world doesn't do that. Therefore, their eating experience or the technologies that they use to order food is a very different user experience. The imagery is completely different. It's not loners eating by themselves in front of Netflix. You know, like it's it's family oriented. So, understanding that is really such a plus point that I feel I can bring to the table because. they come up with ideas and things that based on their experience that i wouldn't even think about um and uh yeah it's it, it's fun it's very expansive so from from that vantage point i think i can ask this from my international standpoint and then also local because this happens yeah. here too yeah. um do you have any story on like a time where you know something was rocky wasn't working well and then you had to like make the call or or send an email out or what like how did you go about conflict resolution um and maybe people are wa- are watching that you know so i don't know but but you know how 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 do you handle conflict resolution internal to your team and then also uh you know in the event it happens with an international team i mean conflict happens it's just what it is and conflict is usually the root the root cause is just miscommunication so i mean i always like to be like where is there miscommunication and you know just me as a person i like to put myself in the other person's shoes before i have that conversation and try to be as empathetic as possible and see did i miscommunicate something was there something that was misunderstood by them what what are they experiencing what what are they going through right now for them to perceive the situation the way that they have and where are things not lining up and what can i clarify before it turns into a conflict right mm-hmm. um and i think having those conversations I, they happen often i had a very difficult conversation this morning um and it's very simple here's the scope here's what needs to be done why is it not done how can you fix it I'm very solution driven. If once you've identified the problem and I've looked at it from every different angle, I try to just observe it rather than judge them on a personal level. It's mm-hmm. just an observation of okay, here's how we where we stand and how can I really solve that problem. Um and as far as that goes, I feel that it's extremely important to be friends with your team. Um because people have things going on in their lives and it's important for you to know that and there i i don't i just don't like the feeling of like ever letting them feel like i'm superior because i'm giving them the work or or i don't want them to be intimidated or anything like that like we have a total open communication policy and anytime anything comes up we talk about it and that's how it has to be and that's how you can move forward the The important part is to make sure that whoever you're working with is also solution driven and not somebody who's resistant. I I just it's very difficult when somebody's resistant um in your team when you're sharing feedback. Let's say I'm sharing feedback and they're like, "No, that's like I don't want to do it that way. I don't care what the client says." Like mm-hmm. it it has to be a very detached experience. Um what I mean by that is can't let our personal emotions or our personal feedback get into the way of what is trying to be executed um and 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 i think that that applies to all aspects of life as well but i think specifically if you are working with a team locally globally whatever it is i mean yeah we can't meet up and you know have a beer but 
we can definitely call each other and be like, what's going on? Like, why is this the reaction that you're having? Or what did I do to cause this reaction? And how can we move forward? Uh, solution driven. You got to be solution driven. Yeah, it, it, it makes me think a lot about, um, you know, th- that I, I do want wonder and worry about folks who maybe are not then adaptable to like remote culture in full. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I, what I mean by that is like, you know, because a, a lot of a lot of times, I mean, we've you've probably texted. Not I mean you particularly. I mean like you out there in the audience, or me myself, right? You've texted someone and it's been misinterpreted, um, and now you're like in a longer text drawn out, you know, discussion or battle or whatever, right? Um, and I think a lot of times in person, you you know, you can see body language, and, and Zoom mm-hmm. is helpful because, you know, or any video conferencing tool is helpful because you can kind of at least see the disposition of someone's face or their, their shoulders, are they slumped back, are they assertive, are they leaning forward? Mm-hmm. Those things help. Um, but when we're now talking about remote being the way, um, I what I think is going to be very interesting is, you know, and someone asked this question in our in our chat here too, like, do we see remote work becoming the norm? And I think I had that question as one of my 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 slides here. You know, when I think about that concept, uh, a lot is is omitted in the in the virtual process. And so I, I do wonder if it's a thing where, you know, naturally through remote work, um, certain people are excised from that ability to be able to, to, to engage or be hired or whatever um, because they don't maybe have all the requisite social skills beyond anything else of, of ironing that out. I mean, I, what, what are your thoughts on that? Is it the norm? And, it, and you, you know, how do you, for people that are not predisposed to be more personable or maybe be your friend, how, how, does, how would that work? I mean, see, again, for me, this is very, very normal. I think uh, I think if somebody else is not a good communicator, you have to be the person to take control of that conversation, and then you try to do that work. Um, to my point earlier, like, I've got people in my team that they just don't communicate. Like, their responses are K. Like, or just all right, it will be done. And then I don't hear from them for like three days. And they're like, oh, this was done. Plus this was done. Plus this was done, you know? So for me, it's like, how can I communicate more effectively with them knowing their personality? And sometimes I speak with my hands. I like, I'm very passionate as a person and not everybody's like that. So how can I bring you up to my communication standard rather than really just write you off and like I said earlier it's like you got to weigh out the skill set right like if somebody's really 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 good at something but they may not know how to express themselves uh, in a specific manner that's okay so you, you got to figure out what it is that they can do and how that communication style works for them um, not everybody's comfortable with video I have a lot of clients that are like I don't want to be on video like why do you want me on video I'm like okay that's totally fine so like let's just and they're very you know, point driven. They're like, okay, this is what I need to do. The conversation's 33 seconds and talk as much as you can. So it's really about adjustment. Um, And again, it's not a personal thing. I think everybody comes from a different path in their life and we all are a product of things that we've experienced and just really understanding like, this is not a personal thing. No one's trying to be rude. Nobody's trying to be dry in their communication. I think it's just, if something comes out in a, in a format that you don't understand, ask them. Ask them, hey, how do you prefer I communicate with you? How do you, is email better? Is a project management tool? Do you want me to call you? How can we have that middle ground? And I will tell you this, like me as a 
woman, uh, offshore teams treat me very differently. Mm. Like their conversation starts with, hi, ma'am. Like it's mm. very different. It's very different. The, the, the respect level is very different. The conversation is very different and very minimalistic. Mm. And that was really strange for me in the beginning. I'm like, like, um, that's strange. Don't call me that. You know, it makes me feel like an old lady. <laughs> um, but that's how they like to communicate. And then it's like, you get used to it and you understand, okay, this is how they express themselves. Therefore with them, the conversation has to be very direct to the point and, uh, extremely respectful, extremely respectful. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's a, I mean, that's a very interesting point too, is, um, the, the cultural piece of this, right? Like, um, I, I know I appreciate that, that insight because I, I've seen it too, right? Like, um, to be honest, I thought you were going to kind of go the, the other way with it. And this is not mm -hmm. to cast aspersions in, in yeah. at all, but I know even for me, like I'm half Nigerian, half Asian. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, like I love Nigeria, right? We made straws. I love us as a country. I, like there, there's some progress that needs to happen in terms of how women are treated. You know, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Um, and I, and that's why, you know, I find that interesting that there'd be that almost like the, uh, this utmost level of respect in terms of engagement. Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, I think I, I find here in the U S and I was, as we were talking, I was thinking about the, my experiences with investors as well. Um, and, and for folks at home, and we'll get onto this in, in our next episode in terms of pitching investors from home, but there, there, there are so many boxes you have to check in terms of like presentation, um, in person and, and now through the internet, you know, when you're talking to them that maybe it'd be, you know, we shouldn't have to think about it. it should be like dollars and cents and are we growing or should be you know based on like our, our user base is that the tra traction there are we building a great data set or whatever the case is so um i think when it comes into like the the interplay of like the human part of it that's a piece that's very very interesting to think about from a um from a a remote space as well mm -hmm. um, but next thing here hold on let me close this down hold on I, you know, I'll just add to that just a second. Like I, it's actually like, it's funny you said that you were expecting the opposite because in all honesty, my experience is completely different here locally. Like there's so much more disrespect and just people don't, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's very interesting, but I recommend it. <laughs> if you can communicate with people globally, it's such a great skill set to have. So cool. The, 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 this segment here about I want to focus on avoiding, you know, uh, micromanagement. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, a lot of companies that were not privy to remote culture started out by saying, hey, for their I had friends that went through this. Everybody get on Zoom and just stay on Zoom all day long with with me. Um, that's very awkward um, from the micromanaging standpoint. I, you know, I'll, I'll say I'll start with my own perspective of it. You know, that's something I I think struggled with more in the beginning. I struggle with it now. So I'm not saying I got over it, but struggle more with in the beginning, especially when it came to external things, mm -hmm. right? Like um, there's a certain way, it, but it gets to sometimes you doing the work internally too. So like, mm -hmm. for example, I would get frustrated if like, you know, someone couldn't articulate clearly what our business is about <laughs> yeah. from the way, especially from the way I would say it. Yeah. Um, but what I learned is like, you know, well, then that's on me for not teaching that person the right way to then say it. And I think that, and, and we'll, we'll touch on the friend thing a little bit too here. Um, but I, I think that articulating what you need to be orated in any kind of capacity is very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then when you get to the, the nitty gritty of like how something needs to be done, 
I, I would maintain as well, I'm more of a solutions person. I, I don't like a lot of the riffraff in the middle because it to me, it just, it takes time. And like when you think about money, it's, money's buying you time. Like that's really the value of money from my perspective. Um, you know, it, it's not a matter of, uh, you know, whatever, the nicest, shiniest thing. It's like, I, I want to extend my time. So the idea to me of micromanaging is there's a desire from insert the person who's micromanaging to for the person to do something the right way, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever that right way is deemed by that individual. Um, but that being said, what I've realized about myself and my team and people I work with is that when you kind of take that pressure off, you know, still be, still create the respect space where you can say something right. was done incorrectly, right. but you say, hey, wait, maybe they don't have to actually say it exactly like I say it. Maybe they have their own cool way of saying it and it resonates through their body to the other person that way. And for me, it's, it, it's it, that has been a real thing that I've worked on. And I feel like, and I, I would guesstimate this, and you know, I work with you, so you can tell me if I'm completely full of shit. Um, I think I, I do a, a decent job of not micromanaging, of kind of letting yeah. people do their thing and then come to me with like the, ish, the, the idea, the solution, the issue, whatever it is. And then we kind of work through it together. Yeah. Um, and I like that for me because at no point do I feel like I need to be the smartest person in the room. I just need to get it right. done the right way. So, you know, for, I'll put, I'll put together, you know, whatever it is, some level of some idea of copy. So like a letter or something forward to the team, or I'll ask for insight on a deck or what have you, um, because you telling me it, it sucks in a certain area or can be improved. is not an indictment against me personally, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. your desire is to make this better, right? So that we all do better. So I, I, I always po point that out too, just from like, your idea of putting yourself in the other person's shoes for people mm -hmm. to realize when someone's making a critique on you, mind you, there could be times where it's a personal slight. We're, we're, we all, we're all pretty perceptive to understand that. But for the most part, when someone's making a critique of the work you're doing, mm -hmm. realize even if it's even, if it's like a little hawkish, you know where it's coming from, it's usually coming from the right place. So then you can unpack that. It's when it's not coming from the right place where there's an issue. Um, but yeah, what are your, you know, your thoughts on micromanaging? I know you touched on it, but just like mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, put a pin in it. I mean, trust is everything, honestly. Like, I'm I'm all about that, I think. I, I just can't work with anybody that I have to either prove my... I have to prove that they can trust me or vice versa. Like, either I know your skill set and I trust you because we've had these conversations. And especially when you're starting out, like, you got to do a lot of vetting. I actually literally went to India to meet my offshore team and I met with three different teams. And I made sure that everybody that I work with, there's a there's a personal factor where I connect with you, and um, call it women's intuition. I don't know, but you just <laughs> there there there's energy. Like you can feel certain people's energy, and I don't want to work with anybody that's just doing it for the sake of money. Like I don't like that. It has mm. to be the project needs to be executed with proper work ethic and slowly you start to understand that people either line up with their work ethic and they don't. And a part of that work ethic is communication. Part of that work ethic is the boundaries. Part of that work ethic is the micromanagement, the conversations that you have, the easy ones, the hard ones, all of that stuff that all comes down to your work ethic and being put in a position where you start the company, it's your baby. No one's going to understand that level of passion and love the way that you do. And you have to understand that. I think the work for me uh, throughout the years has been trying to understand that, you know what, this, this is my baby at the end of the day. And like, I can't expect you to feel the same uh, feelings that I feel for it. However, there, there has to be some sort of passion. There has to be some sort of involvement in 
how the project is ex executed, how that communication happens, and what the end goal is, is extremely important. So bottom line, if your work ethics align and uh, the work principle aligns, I think everything else falls into place. Micromanagement, I quite frankly don't even have the time to do it because it, it's useless to me to some degrees to, to try to micromanage. It wastes time. It makes things more difficult. It becomes almost disrespectful sometimes. There are certain people that it becomes disrespectful if I'm like, hey, did you do this? They're like, mm. to them, it's like, yeah, of course I did it. What do you mean? I've been doing it for six years. Like, you've never had to ask me before. Why are you asking me now? So understanding that um, trust, comes before everything and you got to let them know that hey i trust you i'm giving my baby to you to manage it's kind of like babysitting literally in that period there there's a part of them that's helping you raise your business from this stage to the next stage and help you scale right i say this all the time i'm nothing without my team like if they all left tomorrow i'm done like i I'll, it's just me then and i don't need to micromanage I will say this, um, certain people excel under micromanagement and they need that constant feedback and they need to have that guidance and you have to find that perfect timing to do that. Um, to your point about positive criticism, if somebody knows how to take, take positive criticism, um, keep them on your team. Like that's a very solid person because they want to grow, they want to learn, and they will execute your vision the way that you want. Not everybody's meant to uh, lead the conversation and be an independent worker. There are people that need that push and they need that guidance and they need guidelines and they need, you know, tutorials and manuals and that's okay. So those are the people that help you do some of that nitty gritty work that you can't do and they help you scale um, in a way that you can't do on your own. Mm -hmm. You know, to that point, you know, I'd love to talk about too, and, and you actually hit on one of our, our uh, questions oh. here, which was great. Another question was, you know, how did you find your team, especially the offshore members, and then how did you know if you could trust their work? So I love I that went. you yeah, went. Yeah, yeah. You, you had to you have to. go. You, got you, you have to. You absolutely have to. And I mean, listen, it's worth a couple thousand dollars, whatever that ticket is going to look like. I don't know now if we'll ever get to do that. But um, you know, have these conversations, have these video chats with them. You got to know their intentions. You got to know like what it is that they're trying to build out of their life. Like ask them the big questions. It's not just about your skill set. Like, okay, can you code in this language? It's about who you are as a person, because if the big term, if the big picture aligns, they're in it for the long haul. If it doesn't, bye. Well, okay, so that, to that point, it, it, let's think about interviews, right? Yeah. Interviewing people to join a remote culture. Yeah. Um, I know for, for me and for our company, the flow has been historically, there's a, an initial kind of culture call. You have a conversation with them for 20 minutes, kind of ask some simple questions about what they're looking to achieve, why are they, call, why are they reaching out, what do they, you know, what, what, do, what do they see as success in this situation? Mm -hmm. um, and the next step would be, if they kind of get past that first barrier, the next mm -hmm. step would be uh, a positional call. So like, I, I want to code. So, okay, you're going to meet with our technical lead and you meet with our CTO. You're going to have these conversations. You're going to actually produce some level of work and there's going to be an outcome from there, right? Mm -hmm. Then the third step is going to be a conversation with me. 
And it's usually a conversation around, you know, like you said, a lot of the bigger things. You know, where, where do you see yourself in life? But not like, where do you see yourself in five years? What are you looking to get out of your opportunity here? And how can I help you get there? Right. So I, I think of it as a lot of heady questions, uh, just to understand where that person fits in the scheme of this grand thing you're looking to build. Um, so from that vantage point for you, you know, how are you thinking about, how do you execute appropriate interviewing for people that are joining a remote team where maybe you don't actually have to, that whole old adage of would you get stuck with them in the elevator for 30 minutes or would you grab a beer with them for an hour or whatever? Maybe none of that in, exists because you don't have to do either. How do you go about, you know, hiring from a remote perspective? Um, I mean, I think, again, like, I, I view their resumes. I'll do, like, a deep dive. I, I'm a stalker. Like, I will stalk you <laughs> in every way that I possibly can. If you're local, I'll try to find where you live. I'm joking. Um, but I think, for me, it's like asking the question of what type of projects do you like to work on? What are, what's your ideal project look like? And to me, that breaks down pretty much everything about somebody. Um, you know, mm. if they tell me like, oh, I just, you know, uh, my dream project is it's done in 30 days and I make $500,000 off of it, then that's not the person that I'm, I can have on my team because guess what? They're not in touch with reality. Definitely, first of all. Um, <laughs> And, you know, money can't be the driver. I want to know what that ideal project looks like for you. What kind of impact that you're looking to create outside of constantly learning new languages and coding. Mm -hmm. It also has to be, what are you doing outside? What are your favorite books? Things like that. I'd love to know if they've got any, like, depth to some degree sure. in terms of um, what they're looking to do with, with themselves in their life, what their character is, right? Like, asking that question your your what do you like to read that kind of stuff like are you into reading and i'll ask it very ca casually i mean how many people are online right now that are listening to this <laughs> they're gonna be like oh i know what you're doing um no but just asking that casual question of like oh like are you into reading it's kind of like kind of sounds like a first date but yeah, really it I is mean, it really it is, is. it's yeah. a relationship that you're 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 getting into right and um again what kind of project you want to work on is a big 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 one because um that helps me kind of line up with what they're looking to do the books thing is important because it helps me understand what kind of communication um they're they're into and you know like if they're into a lot of business books sometimes people are very calculated i know a lot of people that have read um how to win friends and influence people mm -hmm. and it, it great book amazing book but like I can't do the playbook thing. So you can't mm. have that expectation from me. I can't do this like formula conversation. It's, <laughs> it's not me. So uh, understanding that is, is a part of that conversation of, Hey, can we work together? Right. 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 Yeah. I think uh, what's, what's also, uh, pre I appreciate, or maybe I don't actually about the remote culture is um, I've had so many experiences that have just been so interesting about how people show up to their workplace. I remember I, I had an interview a few years ago, a young lady who was gonna do some video work with us. And we were having a team retreat that day. I think she was supposed to be in by 10 a.m. And she strolled in at like 2 p.m. And you know, I, I asked her, I said, <laughs> like you're, you're four hours late. She said, well, I, I knew you were having a team retreat all day. So I figured, you know, you meant 
anytime after 10. I was like, no, 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 no. The email correspondent said 10 a.m. So you show up at 10 a.m. So we still sit down. And I, I blame myself for this because I should have seen this is a huge red flag. And we had at the time, you know, one of our investors had like let us use the debunk office basically of a, a previous company. Um, and, you know, we're sitting at this, this picnic style bench inside. And uh, I'm, so I pull up my notepad and I'm getting ready to ask, ask questions. And she like, kicks her feet up on the like second tier of the bench. And I was like, oh, no, nah, we're not going to do this. Thank you so much for coming in. You can have a great day. And I had another team member kind of usher her out. And, you know, those, ex I mean, look, I I'd imagine in remote world, something weird could happen too, right? Maybe mm -hmm. someone starts chugging from a keg while you're interviewing them. I don't know. But, you know, I will say the remote piece of it, there's a piece that's, that does sometimes, you're missing it. Because um, yeah. yeah. you want to understand the interpersonal part. Like, yeah. I've, I've had people show up on the first day, do something completely abysmal. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, I had someone someone got, get a job with us, and their, their job was very like, very, like, in front of people. And they were working with a fellow, as an intern, fellow, they were working with a fellow intern. And they went on to the, this is at, on Penn's campus, I'll just be real. They went on Penn's campus, supposed to be talking to people, getting reviews for the platform, getting people signed up for the app, all these things. And um, they had these like organic cigarettes, right? And I, you know, I'm like, look, do your thing, smoke your, smoke your stuff, whatever, you could. Um, and they, the, the, the person they were walking with kind of was asking them, and that was an intern that worked with us, she went to Penn, she'd been with us for, for a few months. Just asking questions like, hey, like, you know, oh, what is that? Oh, this is like, oh, yeah, it's tobacco, cool, cool. And she's walking through and she's smoking it, and this is like, this is like maybe two and a half, three years ago. Walking through and she's smoking it, and the girl that she was with was like, yo, like, it doesn't, it doesn't quite smell like tobacco. And, and the young lady was like, I'm just kidding, girl, it's some weed. <laughs> and she tells this girl, this is the, her first day on the job. So this person she thought was her friend, you know, it, day one, I guess, comes back and tells us, yo, like, this is what happened. We went out there. And they also were not productive. Because to be honest, if they were productive, I might pass it. Like, all right, you kind of get it, right? But no, like, they weren't productive and they were doing something illegal at the time. So I said, you have to go. Um, so, you know, I one thing I do appreciate about remote cultures, maybe those instances won't happen as often. But it is, it is, there is a piece missing in terms of the interview space, right. of being able to figure that out about someone in terms of the weird quirks that can also be damning quirks for your organization. I, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. But if someone's a weirdo, they'll, they'll let it out. They can't pretend for too, too, too long. Like, that's just what I've learned. I mean, I think the first five, 10 minutes of the conversation, people will try to be something that they're not. And then it's going to come out. Like, you, something's going to come out where you're Sometimes. like, Sometimes. I, I agree. Maybe you're, I mean, better, you're better at sensing it. Nah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> women's intuition, I'm telling you. Um, I mean, I just checked, actually. I was like, just in case somebody that I know is listening. <laughs> but I had a specific scenario happen uh, just like two weeks ago where on this conversation, I'm asking this guy like very serious questions and his background is pizza. Hmm. And then I'm like, oh, okay, like, are you like are you like a fan he's like yeah i'm just like really really hungry and same thing like i was like this guy's high as hell like he, <laughs> like he just couldn't and he couldn't stop giggling but he had the greatest answers for everything in between but i'm like no nah, i don't think this is gonna work out because like it's 10 30 in the morning <laughs> <laughs> wake and bake <laughs> exactly like i mean i don't know so i i agree that like there's definitely that physical aspect that's missing but 
um, ask them for a proposal. Ask them like to send you something written at a specific yeah, at a specific deadline. Like give them a very specific time, like submission must be made by midnight tomorrow, whatever it is, and see if they match that. Because again, like people might say and do weird things, but they might come through. You never know. It's hard to, it's really hard to gauge that. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, so, um, so someone had asked earlier, and I want to catch this while you're still top on your mind, kind of. You yeah. had mentioned the Udemy courses. You know, what, what were some of the Udemy courses you took? And what are your any top recommendations too? So I took, oh man, there's so many. Like I still take them. I'm taking one right now. Um, I've taken investing courses. I've taken cor courses in consulting, like what consulting should look like. What are the marketing principles you should hit up for consulting? Um, and they come with great sort of templates as well. So I really recommend taking anything in terms of business management, business courses, um, I took a marketing course. I took a SEO course. I tried to take a, a development course that didn't go too well. <laughs> um, man, there's a new language out every day. And I'm like, you know what? I can't do it. I can't keep up. Um, what else? I'm trying to remember. Um, I've taken a lot of courses in like memory and stuff like that. Like just mental improvement, uh, not necessarily online or on Udemy, but there's a lot of different co coaches that you can find that teach things like NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, uh, stuff like that, if people are into that stuff, because it definitely takes your business to the next level when you're able to communicate at a higher level and memorize things at a higher level. I highly recommend those. Um, if anything comes up, I'll email it to you guys or send it through uh, Amanda here. Awesome. And, and Amanda brings up a great point, too. Obviously, General Assembly right here has a ton of great courses for you all as well. So definitely make sure to check them out. I mean, you're here tuned into one of them. So, you know, uh, again, you can't overstate, you know, the, these kind of spaces are so needed just to learn in real time. And so thanks mm -hmm. for offering the, those insights, Sona, because, you know, I mentioned last time, you know, YouTube and Google became my best friends because mm -hmm. in the startup space, you need to learn fast, you need to learn efficiently, you need to learn effectively. So I would be on Google all the time, typing in things I need to learn, YouTube, same thing. Um, and then just hopefully someone had experienced something and I, I respected and, and could hear what they were saying to be like, okay, this makes mm -hmm. sense for my business. Um, earlier, you mentioned the idea of, of friends, right? Um, you, you wanna be friends with everyone you work with. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, to be honest, I think I, for me, I found that I want to respect everyone I work with. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to have a, a decent time with everybody I work with. But the reality is I'm probably not going to be holistically friends with everyone I work with. No. Now, mind you, usually if your your visions are pretty aligned, you naturally are going to, there's going to be some glue there, right? Because, yes. because of course, you guys want the same things out of life or, or this moment in your life, whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. But um, what, I, what I've found is I've, I've worked with family. Like, I work with family now. You know, mm -hmm. my brother works at WIL. Yeah. I've worked with friends. You know, I, you know. I've had to hire friends, I've had to fire friends. It's, it's not always fun um, in terms of the firing process. But, you know, I will say though that, you know, for me, what I've seen is in order for that to work well, there has to be a level of trust, yeah. right? A, a deep level of trust. And what I mean by trust actually is the ability to cognitively separate work conversation from play conversation or from deep life conversation. Um, because 
inevitably, and I, I, I try to live my life where everything's pretty out in the open. So for me, there's not going to be energy you can kind of use towards me to make me feel a certain way. To me, I'm going to, I'm going to think of it first in the context of how does this pertain to work. And if it's like very personal or weird, then I'm like, okay, there's something going on deeply within you. We need to unpack you. Right. Um, because as like, like I said, it's kind of like all out there. So from, from that vantage point, um, I do always wonder about how people go about thinking through hiring friends and family. A lot of times people say, I don't want to do it because I don't want to deal with any of the personal stuff. I don't want weird Thanksgivings, you know what I mean, if you're in the U.S. Uh, I don't, you know, whatever the case is, right? Um, but I would say it's built on a foundation of trust, foundation of communication, um, and then also, too, you know, you also have to, like, I, I enjoy working with people who are way better at what they do than me. Mm -hmm. I know I get levels of high anxiety if I start feeling like I can do your job better than you right. can do it. Right. Um, and then it becomes weird if it's friends or family because it's like, ooh, ooh. Yeah. So like, you know, regarding your statement earlier about wanting to, you know, be friends in the workspace, you know, how do you, how do you approach that? How do you think about that? And, and are there ever instances where you're not quite friends with the person you've worked with for maybe a year or two? Mm -hmm. I... Um... I'm very good at maintaining specific boundaries. Like what I mean by friendship is let's have that conversation where you feel open enough to tell me what's going on in your personal life. And, you know, we can give each other advice, but then we go and live our separate lives. I, I haven't really had the situation yet where I've had the opportunity to hire any of my close friends. And I would think a hundred thousand times about it because definitely it can, uh, advertise very quickly and you have to be a very very secure person to admit that someone can do something better than you and that's why you bring them on and not everybody functions like that that's just the truth i mean i'm not comfortable hiring or working with people that are insecure bottom line and that's why asking some of those questions like what do you want from your life what do you want to do what do you read how do you what's your day-to-day -day look like like what do you do how do you feel right how do you take criticism um, is very important because if things don't work out and you're on my team and then we became friends, which has happened many, mm -hmm. many times. And, sure. you know, the next project, it's like, sorry, I, you know, I'm, you're not going to be on, on this project. And that's mm -hmm. happened. But there's enough respect and understanding and security on both parties that it doesn't change the personal aspect of it. Um, I mentioned this earlier, too, like you have to know how to observe people and not judge them and vice versa. That's the expectation that I have. Observe me, don't judge me. And uh, the personal side of that is completely different. And um, I'm very careful as to how everybody's big picture looks because I think that speaks volumes, honestly. Um, there was something that I was going to say. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I started, I actually started thinking about like a specific scenario. Right. And you know, we, we, we're still friends. We still talk like, Hey, this person just had a baby. Like I'm like, how's everything going? Hope you're doing well, et cetera. And that roots from security. You can't to your point, if I can do something better than you, I feel uneasy. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, and that happens. Yeah, I, I want to touch on too, like you know, you're evolving uh, in the, that process of evolving as a leader, right? Um, I, you know, I my my people on my team have heard me say this a million times, or friends have heard me say this a lot of times. Like, 
you know, there, I always say the comment of like, help me help you kind of vibe, right? right, right. Um, and, and I also point out too, you know, leading a team of folks that are relatively the same age as you, older than you, younger than you, it's not mm -hmm. always the most, the easiest thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, millennials, Gen Z, like that's kind of where we, the buckets we fall into and are, are largely who we're working with a lot of times right now. Um, and I think that there, we, we have lived in a space where it's a microwave society. Everyone wants something very quickly. Uh, there's not always an understanding of how many years go with, goes into something, how much commitment, how much effort, mm -hmm. how many no's go into something. And even the idea of no's ends up becoming this f f fantasy story of like, I pitched 100 investors and the 100 and first one said, yeah. I, like to me, I, I pitched 300, like try me, right? Like we can go on and on and on. So when I, when I think of those things, I know that um, naturally in our space. And this is why, I, to be honest, and I, I think um, this is really the, the, the time of uh, female leadership. Um, because I think that, you know, one thing that maybe back in the day was the concept of is you had like the big brooding boss and through fear, usually they ruled the day, right? Like, okay, I don't want to get the whip cracked on me. So I'm going to listen to what that person says. And now, I mean, everyone has access to the internet, meaning everybody can go online and say, I can see how this can be better, that can mm -hmm. be better, that can be better. I can go work here, there, or there. Mm -hmm. um, I, don't, I don't believe in what you're saying to me. I think it's wrong, and you can go down the line. So as a result, you're gonna need someone who's a little bit more adept at people, like how mm -hmm. to communicate, engage, and pull out of people, you know, um, the, the, what they see, what they don't even see in themselves, right? That, that next level. So, for yourself, you know, how have, how have you evolved as a leader mm -hmm. um, because of your remote work? So tying it to it, particularly to the remote work you do, mm -hmm. how has that helped your communication skills? How's it, how has that helped your, your diligence skills? How has that helped your ability to be timely with what you say out of your mouth, right? Like, how does that, how does that tie into your evolving as a leader? I mean, remote or not, I think you have to constantly keep working on yourself and remote is a very different space because uh you do have the opportunity to pull away and think about what you need to say right i don't need to constantly be in your face and respond to you so i think uh having that grace period is extremely powerful in terms of thinking about what you want to say and how you want to express it and we're all we're all human beings at the end of the day sometimes someone just irks you and you're like i want to react in a very different way but it allows you to buy yourself that time to just breathe it out fact check and then have any difficult conversation that you need to have or a positive one as well, right? Like, hey, thank you for doing this. I, I saw that you did this and thank you so much for doing that and trying to encourage people that way. Um, the other thing that I always do is whenever I'm like learning something new, I share that with my team. I'm always like, oh, guess what? Like, have you heard of this? Have you, have you heard about this concept or have you heard about uh, putting proposals together in this way? Or have you heard about this website? Have you heard about this new technology, we're constantly sharing information. And what that does is me starting that domino effect um, allows them to be like, oh, look, we have an open space of communication where I can share ideas, where I can say, hey, like, check this out, or what do you think about this? Or is this something that we can bring to the table? And it, it's that effect of constantly growing as a team then. Mm -hmm. And also, it, man, like there's things out in the world that there's no way I could have access to alone. So collectively, if your team is sharing, uh, oh, this happened or check this out, or here's a new piece of technology, or 
um, you know, I, I liked this or I didn't like this or in our previous project, this didn't go well for me. Collectively, we are then able to grow and have a better experience and see what else we can bring to the table. Um, in terms of leadership, when I first started my business, it was literally me consulting um, while I was still working uh, corporate. And I was like, okay, what can I do? The only skill set that I felt very confident in at that time was content writing. So that's initially how I started. And my background is actually in journalism. So I'm like, okay, let me see, like I can write some press releases. I can do stuff like that. Cause mm -hmm. I, I went to school for, you know, maybe, maybe I could do that. But as I started to grow, I started to meet people that had different skill sets, and I'm like, okay, like I can add this onto my website as a service. I can add this, I can add this. And over the years you start to become somewhat of, uh, a person who's knowledgeable in very different niches and different markets and different products. And as you become more knowledgeable, your team becomes more knowledgeable and then you're able to express that to the client. If somebody asked me five years ago, what do I know about chatbots? I'd be like, a what a who, <laughs> you know? Um, but that being exposed to me, I'm like, okay, whoa, this sounds amazing. How can I now push this to my clients? And really, I have to thank my team for that. And vice versa, there's things that I express to them uh, that they can educate themselves on and become better at what they do. Um, and really, I don't think it's remote or non-remote. It's how what your attitude is towards your team, whether they're on the other side of the world or they're down the street from you or they're in six feet apart. Um, it's It's really... Everyone's a human being, and I think we all want to grow. No, that's real. That's really real. Yeah. Um, it, it, it ties into this question a little, maybe a little bit loosely, but uh, yeah. you know, one of our one of our audience members asked, you know, what about remote volunteer work? If people lose momentum, how do you encourage them back? Um, what what I I think I take from that question is um, hmm. losing the momentum, essentially, right? Yeah, losing the momentum, and, and how do you keep someone engaged? Um, I'll, I'll take a, a stab at it first. Uh, Sorry, there's so much light behind me, so I'm trying to like not look like hey. an angel. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Um, okay. So in terms of losing momentum, you know, every every business is going to have its ebbs and flows, and, and I don't I don't actually mean that in terms of highs and lows. What I mean about that is there are going to be times in your business that you're more focused on one thing, and, and other times you're more, more focused on another thing. So. Um, I'll give an example, like personal to what I'm experiencing, right? For for who's your landlord right now, we've been focusing on building a technology for real estate developers. And so a lot of my energy go to, goes towards fundraising and, build, and helping in terms of that process of ideation, strategy, data around the actual software for, the, for, that, for developers. That being said, we still have other parts of our business. We still have an impact part of our business. We still have an advertising part of our business. Those are things that now they're, they're resurfacing as things we're keying in on for this month. But like last month, they were not on my high end of purview, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the thing is, so the idea of momentum is you need, I always talk about this, you need people who are self-starters. If, mm -hmm. if you need my eyeballs and attention to get you ready to go for work every day, you're not, you're not going to last here that long. You're going to burn out because you're going to try very hard to get my attention and then eventually it's just not going to happen. It, you, you have to be about how can I bring impact change uh, 
and and an, uh, an effect that's positive to the organization that you're in. So I am a big believer. You know, you said you you don't hire insecure people, and I'm gonna unpack that in a second too. But I'm a big believer in hiring people who are self starters, people that if you left them in a room and left crayons and no paper, you come back and there'd be marks all over the walls because they color the walls. Like I need people who are just going to do stuff proactively. Um, you know, and still also at the same time, be willing to listen, be willing to be amenable to what the team needs in that process. Um, but Sona, for you, you know, how do you keep the momentum of someone who might seem to be a lost cause at a certain point within your organization? Um, I briefly touched on this before. There are people that are going to be self-starters, and then there's the tier that aren't. Mm-hmm. And you have to know where each you naturally is. went lower and said the tier that is not. <laughs> it's okay. It's how you think about the, the situation. We'll be honest. Uh, be real. Uh, <laughs> oh man, and this is gonna be on the internet everywhere, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, it is. Perfect part for a plug. WIL Take Ownership Podcast. You can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. Thank you for GA for providing this space. Again, WIL Take Ownership Podcast. Back to your questions. Let me try that again. There are going to be people that can do this and then do this. So, hey, hey there we go. No judgment, no judgment. Observation. We just observe. We just exactly, observe. exactly. No, um, I think what I mean by that is there's the niche that is somebody who's a who can work very proactively who knows how to do that and they do that on their own and those are the people that you can't micromanage at all like they get irritated because they're like let me do my thing like i know what i'm doing let me do it let me execute and there's a part of them that's a natural leader so there's that and then there's the other type of person that needs a little bit more guidance and i think that those people are also important in certain situations in terms of giving them that handbook and then work is just a part of their life it's not their life and you have to understand that i think like people like you and i work like this is our life this is my life like 90 percent of my life is this so not everybody functions like that and you have to accept that and i think when someone loses their momentum and they're like i'm just getting caught up in the nitty-gritty and i'm just not passionate about what i'm doing at that point, it's my job to bring back some sort of passion. It's my job to ask them, like, how can I make this a better experience for you? And if I can't, then we got to part ways and uh, see how I can replace that with somebody who's a little bit more passionate. I'm a, I'm a passionate person. I need you to align with me there. Right, right? right. That doesn't mean you have to be vocal like I am or use your hands and put people in order. <laughs> different categories and different tiers. Categories. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it means that there, you got to like what you're doing. And if you don't like it, then, you know, we got to find somebody that likes the same thing and not again, like the, the dreams, the, the idea of life that I have is not going to match everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why I am who I am and they are who they are. And you got to find who fits into that bracket of enjoying that. If somebody loses momentum, it's natural. We lose momentum. Like I, I lose momentum in my business sometimes. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm just not having a good day. So it's like, you, you almost as, as the leader in that situation have to have that conversation, like what's going on and how can I help bring this up, right? Yeah. And either someone matches it or got to keep it moving. 
Yeah. And I, I want to touch on two things that from what you said, you know, one is that, you know, the idea of the person who, you know, doesn't necessarily respond well to micromanaging and or, you know, and the people, we, we all have been guilty of it. So no, none of us are, you know, away from this. But the idea of someone saying, do you like, I might say, Sona, you know, uh, do you test that before you send it over? And your response is going to be like, Bruh, but I sent you some stuff. I, I didn't test. Of course, I tested it. Mm-hmm. And I think the, to that point, what I want to say to the folks at home is like, the, what we don't talk about often is the nuance and importance of communication skills. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a way where you can preface something where it doesn't come across as then undercutting someone's, you know, what they've accomplished or whatever the case is. So like, if I replay that situation to be like, hey, Sona, I'm sure you did this. You know, you're always testing things out, but, you know, just want to make sure this was ran through before you sent it over. Mm-hmm naturally you're giving the person the out to be like, no, yeah, I did. Right. Without it being so affronting to them. And the reason why I know this is important is because we all are human. We forget things. It's natural. It's okay. And I don't think it's that deep. And my mom always, you know, what, what, I remember this happening all the time, especially as like a grown adult, right? You're coming, you're in college, maybe you're coming home, maybe you just graduated high school, whatever the case, maybe you're in high school. And she would say something like, um, you know, uh, before you, you know, uh, maybe I'm applying to a school, right? She goes, oh, be- before you send that off, you know, did you, uh, did you make sure every checkbox in the application is filled? And I'm like, yeah, Ma, why wouldn't I do that? Like, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then you, you press submit and boom, it bounce back and say, you know, one box wasn't filled out on top. And you're like, oh, damn, I didn't put in like the information around money or the information, okay. right? And, and so in that moment, I don't want to give her the, the grace to be like, yo, damn, she was right. I want to be in my own space and be like, nah, but you know, if she's standing over your shoulder watching you press submit, she knows you're wrong, right? So my, my whole point with that is like, again, to the point of, I think, critiques, again, to the point of like micromanaging, it's so important to know where the person's coming from. It's not always necessarily calling you an idiot. Sometimes right. it's just like, no, I just want to make sure it's right before we move forward on this. Um, and if and the thing is, if you're if that's really how you move, what I think what ends up happening over time is the team starts realizing like, oh, before even this reaches insert person here's desk, it has to be at this standard. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you're going to send me a like I, one thing, my an absolute pet peeve of mine is when I'll get a document and it's half complete. Right. Mind you, it's not like some form, like some formulaic document that has a bunch of slots where it's very obvious that they're sending a draft. It's like a typed up thing. And I'll get it and I'll, I'll, I can respond back with a bunch of notes. Like this needs to be in there and that needs to be in there and whatever. And a, a deck is a probably a good example of this. And the person will respond back, oh no, that was just the first draft. And I'm like- Just let me know. Then say that. You know, in, in your email to me, say this is the first draft, I'm working through this, but I just want to let you know this is where I'm at so far. When you send a document with no context, I'm going to shred it if it's not good. <laughs> like, that is, that is the essence of, you know, teamwork. <laughs> like, so I think communication is so important and being nuanced in how you do it matters so, so much. And I think you can't have a fragile ego both ways. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. there's things that I do wrong and my team's like, listen, I sent this to you like X days ago when you missed it. And I'm like, all right, you know, my bad. My bad, my bad. (laughs) I'm sorry. Like I can't. And to your example about like moms, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm into my thirties. I won't say exactly how old I am, but (laughs) you know, my mom every single day is like, did you eat? Things like that. Or like, don't forget jacket and and it makes me so angry because i'm like 
what do you think I am? Like, <laughs> you think I'm really going to forget my jacket when it's minus 40 outside? But to your point, the perception of the person that's saying that, why are they saying that? Mm -hmm. Why, like, what is the bottom line here? And I said something earlier about like collective thinking. You have to have that. Like, mm -hmm. nobody can have a fragile ego if you're trying to just roll things out. And, and if someone does, I don't know. I don't know. I can't yeah. do it. I don't, I don't have patience. You know this. You know me. So you know <laughs> I have like no patience. I'm just like, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> to hit on, I want to hit on two questions that were asked by some of our audience members here. One is, um, what are metrics we use to evaluate the quality of work um, we've done while remote? Um, and that could be for the team as well. And then they follow on. Seems like while remote, it often becomes how fast can a task get done? Mm -hmm. um, is, this way, is this a way to judge productivity? Mm, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? So as far as quality of work goes, I mean, again, it depends on the, the, the space that you're working in. Um, for me, it's, it's a very clear checklist. And if things are not done on that checklist, then it's not the quality that I had projected, right? And again, like the type of projects that we do take longer to execute. They're, we're looking at anywhere from three months to six months to a year to two years, depending on what we're working on. So there's a checklist and I can't expect everything to be done, but there's a certain percentile of it that has to be completed. And um, you got to have those conversations early in the morning, every single day, like, hey, what's going on today? What's going on today? What's going on today? And then leave it because yeah. that's that's the depth of micromanagement that i can do and then beyond that is like you gotta you gotta execute that and um i mean if it's a technology thing i would really recommend uh using certain tools that pull like bugs and errors and i would make those a priority always over uh front-facing stuff that needs to be fixed like you got to fix the functionalities. You got to make sure that there's no bugs and errors coming up. The front facing stuff is secondary that can be fixed. So mm -hmm. focus on that. Um, sorry, what was the second part of the question? The second part was, you know, it seems like with remote work effectively, <laughs> right. um, it often becomes, you know, how fast can a task get done as the, and is that the main way to judge productivity? The, the speed at which right, someone completes right. something. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to say yes and no. I know that um, fast is not always the best, but I will say this. It's a competitive space. Most businesses are in a competitive space and you got to see what you can do better than the next guy. And sometimes that comes down to timeline mm -hmm. and it comes down to how can I get things done quicker to execute a vision quicker. Mm -hmm. And things are time sensitive and something like right now, um, I can speak to this personally. We, we're rolling out about, 20 websites right now mm -hmm. all this month and the reason for that is everyone is selling covid specific things or they need to get online or they need to make sure that their websites are selling their products and they're able to shift into e-commerce that's a time sensitive thing i can't let that run till september i can't let that run to 2021 right so in 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 a lot of cases yes time does matter and it does uh showcase a productivity yeah yeah uh, yeah i think it's a, it's a confluence of a lot of things right like time yeah. certainly i mean in today's culture you got to move pretty quickly especially uh, if you're think i think about you mentioned being a journalist earlier if mm. new new if new news is hitting you got to be on top of that even with our social media game like it's like if you post about it later did, is it like did it happen mm. um, or did you miss the mark so yeah. time is very important but i would also say too you know the quality of the work is 
really mm-hmm. important, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, like, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Karen, who's our creative director at WYL. Um, you know, like the yeah, you know, or, you know team, teamwork, teamwork <laughs> makes the dream work. But like, you know, previous to her, you know, I know our lead designer and creative director, um, amazing work, like would create amazing work. But like, it would it would be late a lot, and by the time it would arrive at my desk. It's either late enough where it meets the mark or it would arrive and be beautiful, but not be what we needed. Mm-hmm. And we only had one option to choose from. Whereas with Karen, she'll give us literally options like one through eight. And then it's like, you're just scrolling through like, oh, that looks nice. But I can see that one too. Mm-hmm. Oh, but the third one, that's fire. Like, I, I love optionality. I love the idea of being able to look at things and know that you put effort into them and thought in, into them. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, a, it's a confluence of several things. I don't think it's just fat speed and that's not obviously what someone is saying but speed is a big part of it but also it's like does the work does it does your does your stuff stink is it good or is it bad mm-hmm. um and and if it's if it's if i gotta wait a little longer because i know it's always going to be right i'm usually willing to wait that extra a little bit longer um but it all depends on the timeline in front of you it's like a good barber honestly i honest like it's like a good hairdresser a good barber like they're not price is secondary it's about like look, I got to get my hair cut in and mm-hmm. can you do it? And how can you do it? And how does that look? And how can you make me feel better and have a better product at the end of the day? So right. yeah, uh, lots of layers to that one. Yeah, a lot, a lot. Um, and then uh, another question I want to address here too. Um, this is from a young lady named Marina. In order to maintain an organized schedule and manage your time, is it good to practice or to announce your available office hours so like so this is now beyond the scope of just your team or maybe it is no maybe it's within your team as well um you know is have you found it advantageous to be and i'll say from my end i I, i've just you know instituted for my own schedule do not disturb hours from 4 to 6 p.m monday through friday i'm trying like (laughs) like like i I find i think my team kind of disrespects them a little bit they'd be like oh man i can get a hold of them right and look and i'll pick up the phone so that's that's on me but like for you, you know, how do you manage that time, um, you know, throughout the day? And then do you announce with your team or do you announce to people outside of your team that you have office hours that, you know, mm-hmm. where maybe you can pick up the phone or you can't? Um, you know this about me. I already know the answer. I already yeah. know I'm asking you, you know, for the audience. <laughs> um, my uh, Calendly link is my life. And it's the only thing I really ask of people, like, don't just book me in meetings. Don't just, you know what I mean? Like it's, I have one request. I'm so flexible. I will work my ass off. I will make sure that I can get done what needs to get done. But I have one request, which is just view my calendar. If there's an open slot, book it. Absolutely. There's a reason it's bo- it's, it's open. And I think that respecting time, that's what it is. You have to set some sort of boundary that people know that here's her boundary and let's book in that. And my team knows my link. My clients know my link. My whoever needs to have my Calendly link has my link. So um, that just makes things so simple, so respectful, so mutual and uh, productive so that I know that when I wake up like, hey, all right, I've got this, 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 this. I've got a slot in between here. I'll do my emails. I'll do this. And then I can allot my 55 minutes accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would really recommend having some sort of preset calendar um, within your team, within your clients, within whoever it is. Um, 
my friends, if anyone, if any of my friends are on here, I don't know, but um, they know that I get so irritated if I get a message from them in the daytime during work hours about some, some, something that has nothing to do with work. Like, I think that there's a time to do everything and, um, you know, you got to set those boundaries. You got to let them know, like after six, hit me up with what's happening on the shade room. Great. (laughs) No, seriously. Yeah. But if you do it in the daytime, I'm going to be irritated because it's like, you're getting me off my flow, but calendar links are the greatest thing. And it creates such a great mutual respect, um, between all parties, I would say. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think a lot. Like, I, I, I think I treat, not even I think, I know. First of all, I'm, I'm one of the world's worst texters. So, you know, text on red, sorry. But, like, a, part, a large part of that is the way my brain works. It looks at it like an email. So exactly. if, it, if it's not pertinent to right now what I need to get done, I, exactly. I, it's almost like I haven't seen it. And my homie Felix, and, and, and he's formerly COO of WYL, he would always say, yo, like, I screen, like, talking about himself, but I think this is appropriate for me, too. Like, I screen so many text messages. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's not a matter of lack of respect. It's, like, a lot of times, this shit's just not applicable to, I, applicable, there we go, to where I'm at right now in the day. Can right? you guys see that number? I don't know. It, can you see it? I just know it's three digits. It's, 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 it's a little bright. Four, but... 402 unread messages. Because that's irrelevant to like, right I, now yeah. i don't care and mom everyone has a different flow like i get clowned in every group chat that i <laughs> that, that i engage with like once every three months because they go oh you made an appearance and i'm like i don't know how y'all do it there's a lot of ceos too so it's not like it's you know just people that aren't busy these people are really yeah. busy. sorry and, my laptop's dying <laughs> and they, they, they find a way to still be communicative but you know my own workflow is is not that um you know so from that angle, I just, you know, that doesn't work for me. But like, you know, as, as we're kind of rounding out here too, you know, what what is some tan, some tangible advice and then also some scope out, like just some meta advice you can give founders at home or aspiring founders in getting started with their business. Like how do they start the business and, mm-hmm. and how do they think about growing it? Mm-hmm. Tangible and meta. Uh, step one, definitely have a lot of clarity in what you want to offer and study your competitors. I'm all about that. I think you have to know what's happening in the market, what your competitors are doing, what their price points are, um, and don't undersell. I think initially everybody's like, okay, well I can undercut, I can do it cheaper. I can do it. I can do it like this. I can do it like that. Don't do that. Make sure that you're working with people that you want to be working with. And, you know, you don't have to feel that pressure of undercutting. I think if you set a standard right off the bat, then you stay in that standard and you're able to grow in that standard um, of the business that you want to execute. Have your business registered, buy a bunch of domains, um, buy variations of your domain. If you have a couple different names in mind and you're you're really like raw, you haven't started anything yet, buy a bunch of different names, mm-hmm. buy them all because, <laughs> and, and we went through this at WYL, right? Like mm-hmm. it was, it was, who's your landlord. Now it's WYL. And you know, we, we went through that experience of like, let's rebrand and have these variations. And I would highly recommend doing that for everybody. Um, make sure that you have a good accountant very important. Uh, even if you're not making any money in the first year, the first two years, the first five years, whatever it is, you got to have a good accountant that tells you like, Hey, 
this is working out or it's not. And you have to be prepared and be thick skinned to understand that not everything that we do works. Like I have one business that's, you know, at a certain scale, then I have another business that that's, that's at another scale, but to get here, I've failed at many, many, many businesses. I think over the last 10 years alone, probably six. So, you know, you, you got to be prepared for that and you have to understand what's going to work and what's not going to work. So competitors, good accountant, uh, buy a bunch of domains, have an amazing website because that's the face of your business. Before anybody meets you, before anybody sees you, your website tells your story. Your website is your front face, right? So make sure that your website is great and um, have some sort of presence. I mean, make sure that your LinkedIn is professional because if anyone's like me, as I said, uh, they're going to search you up and they're going to see, you know, where you are, what you're doing, what your background is. So have all of those things aligned and very easily accessible. Cool. Cool. Um, and mine would be, and we have one more question here too, that we'll yeah. get to right after this, but mine would be, you know, focus on growing your team organically. Yeah. Um, you know, in the beginning, you know, you don't need everybody in the world on your team. You know, there, there's specific reasons you need folks to provide their professionalism and lend their skill set to your team, and then it can grow from there. So, uh, so what, what that means in the beginning, focus on the things you can control. Um, so day one, when it's just you, like, like someone said earlier, focus on foundational pieces, getting the right documentation done, getting your lawyer, getting your accountant, um, the, the thinking through strategy, who, you, who do you want to hire? Who do you prognosticate into the future has to be here for this to really work? Mm-hmm. Once you figure that out, you'll build, you'll build, you'll build, and then you go, oh, I need a developer. Okay, so let me hire a developer. Let me figure out how to hire a developer. Where do you find a developer? Um, once you're, you have, you're paired with that developer, now it's like you're working, you're working, working. Wait, I need, uh, we have a product. I need users. I need a customer. Let me get somebody who's a head of product and or, I'm sorry, like a, a head of marketing, right? Someone who can get in front of the consumers, drive them here. So it's like pace it. You know, you don't need everything at once but realize you're laying a bunch of seeds that will grow eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to really buy into the mindset that what you plant today is not going to grow tomorrow. Um, I'm sure you can name countless moments in your life, somewhere where an email that went out to well, us, like as friends, you've been friends probably four years or so. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think it was a message you had sent. Uh, we were conversating and you sent a message saying, yo, it'd be cool to work together one day. And I was like, Holy wait, Wait, I, I remember looking back up what you do and I was like, wait, actually we could use what you do right now. Yeah. And so that, that just saying that turned into now a partnership. Mm-hmm. So like from that vantage point, it's like, you know, say what you mean, mean what you say, put what you need into the universe um, and, and it'll come to you. Um, mm-hmm. But to this question here, I want to make sure we hit on. Um, I, I'm just going to say one yeah, quick thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it doesn't have to be cash heavy when you start. Like, yes. I think, I think, something that, and there was a message that we got uh, from somebody in Italy saying, you know, maybe I'll start my business. And I think the thing that sets people back is they're like, I need thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. No, you don't. I started my business literally with $300. Like I made a very horrible website on my own. And then I got someone to revamp it for 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be like that. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's the truth. Like I, I started my business, like Similarly, yeah. with, with only yeah. what I was working for at Temple, yeah. right? Yeah, so yeah. not much. Um, so t- to that, so the, to the question, it's, uh, you know, when we started, 
um, you know, if we had, a, did we have a team in place before building our product or service? And um, I think we touched on that a little bit here too, but also did we seek out any angel investors or venture capitalists uh, and how? Um, I'll let you touch on that first and then sure. you have the angel investor side. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, to the, to the point someone I made, like I, I had a few hundred dollars in my account too when I started Who's Your Landlord. Um, I was able to negotiate a partnership deal with our, turned to be our CTO. Um, and I, honestly, you know, I, I, I was looking at my cash flow, like personally, I was like, oh, I have enough. And then a lot of life happens. And you're like, oh shit, I don't have enough. Um, so then I had to have that awkward conversation like, hey, June payment, uh, not looking too hot. And, but we had worked together already for about two and a half months. And he was like, yo, I know you're good for it. Like, you're fine. Like, we'll, we'll figure it out and move forward. Um, and we ended up starting to build a really good product together, right? So it's, it's a matter of, you know, you have to have the levers. And a lot of times in the beginning, equity is one of them. Don't give away too much. Don't, don't be crazy out here. But um, the second thing, will we send up? Yeah, so someone asked about a recording for the webinar. You can check us out. Again, WIL Tech Ownership Podcast. And, and, you know, I'll say the rest as we close out, but you can check us out anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, the video will be live as well. I know Amanda and her team are going to get that out to you all. Um, but just as we wrap here, this will be the last of my, in a really bulky way, share my screen. I just hope you guys can see it. Is this true? Can you see it? Yes? No? Mm-hmm. Awesome sauce. All right. I'm going to, uh, I just want to wrap us up here really fast. Uh, if this loads and is on my side. Um, we touched on the future of remote work already. Just to put a pin in everything, um, WIL, we're hiring full-stack engineers. Sona actually is a technical lead, so, you know, just full disclosure. So she's helping us in this process as well. Um, <laughs> email us at letstalk at wil.co if you're looking for an opportunity. Um, you know, go and review your landlord at wil.co. We got some new tech coming out soon, so be on the lookout. Um, and I said that without even looking, so it's already just in my heart, it's on my soul. Um, and then subscribe again to the WIL Tech Ownership Podcast, where we're all about taking ownership of your mental, your economics, and your community. Next week, guest is gonna be Dawn Dixon, the CEO and founder of Popcom. Um, she's an inventor, she's an entrepreneur, a good friend of mine as well. And we're gonna talk about raising capital through the screen. These are different and hard days. We're raising capital right now through the screen too. So we just got, we got real battle and war stories to share. A lot of them good as of recent, which is positive. Um, key thing is always let's build together. Uh, Sona, I'd love for you to say goodbye, kind of give a piece yes. to the group and then I'll do the same and we'll wrap up here. Oh, thank you guys so much for chatting and being engaged. Thank you, Ofo, for having me on and Amanda, uh, everyone at General Assembly. It was such a pleasure, such a fast conversation. I can't believe we're like... <laughs> you know, it's done. I can't believe it. Um, such a great time. But of course, please reach out to OFO. Please reach out to us at WYL as well if you have any questions. And I hope to be getting some good resumes down the pipeline too. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So on, on behalf of General Assembly, Amanda and her team, and again, thanks for all, helping us out with all the technical issues too. It's, we're, we're learning too. We're learning too. Even though we're in tech, we're always learning. So I appreciate you all so, so much. Sona, thank you so much for joining us today, dropping the gems that you've dropped, being uh, honest, open, and insightful. Um, again, everyone, check us out, WYL Take Ownership Podcast. You can find us at WYL Podcast. We're at WYL Community on Instagram, Twitter. You can find me at Chief underscore OFO. Uh, for Sona, for Amanda, for GA, for WYL, for WL Take Ownership. My name is Ofo. That was Sona. We just had a great time. WL Take Ownership Podcast. Take ownership of your mental, your economics, your community always. Take care, y'all. Peace.